Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. And that is launched out to deep left field. Big fly for Mike Trout. This is ground ball to second base. Red Heeple falls down, picks it up, fires the first. The Angels have no hit. The Seattle Mariners. It's gone! Big fly for Anthony Rendon. Hey guys, I'm Alex Curry. This is Joe Adele here with the Los Angeles Angels. Brandon Marsh. This is Chris Rodriguez. You're listening to the All Angels Podcast. And welcome to another edition of the All Angels Podcast. I am Dan Garcia and join with, once again, Mike Brown. Mike, how are you doing today? Hey Dan, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, man. So we're going to get to... Uh, the preview in a sec or the review of the series in a second, but we have you on to go top 10. So that's going to be at the end of it. So before we get to the A series, four game A series, Thursday was supposed to be Otani Thursday on the mound. Still the question of whether or not he was going to bat. Uh, lineup comes out. He's not pitching, but he's batting. Then the lineup comes out again. He's nowhere to be found on the lineup. And then lineup comes out again. And now he's batting. Real confusing. I, I would say it was about 45 minutes to an hour kind of time frame when all these like lineups came out. When you originally saw him, A, not pitching, but batting, what was kind of your thoughts? Um, yeah, that whole process was was very confusing because it, it had come out that he was going to start and then he got scratched. And then, you know, Twitter started going into a panic of, oh my gosh, <laughs> like, he scratched. What's happened? The last time we saw him, he had diminished uh, velocity. Right. So that what's, what's going, coming in? Yep. What's going on? Um, and then we saw that he was actually going to bat instead. He was going to be in the lineup. Um, but then, yeah, it started to trickle out that there was some travel issues. The team bus, I guess, got stuck in traffic. And it seems like Otani and Suzuki, and I'm not sure who else, but I know it was Otani and Suzuki got on the wrong BART or might have missed a connection or a transfer. Either way, uh, he didn't get his reps in time. So, uh, yeah, that was that was a it was a pretty anxiety ridden uh, 30 minutes for me. It, it was it was a lot of ups and downs. So, yeah. And, and obviously being Angel fans, you are all too familiar with like a late scratch followed by an IL stint um, mm-hmm. for a lot of, for a lot mm-hmm. of players. But, yeah, he they got they got saw traffic on the on the Bay Bridge, an accident. So they knew that was going to take even longer. So they went to the BART system, the Bay Area Rail train or whatever that stands for um i guess there's a something with there went wrong too and and they got late joe madden later on said that he's very uh otani is very particular about how he warms up on his pitching days and by the time he got to the field he was already an hour late into when he would want to start his uh pre-game routine as far as like the weighted ball and the stretching and all that stuff so they scratched him from pitching pushed him back to two uh to friday but kept him in the lineup, the DH. And with that being pushed back, they brought in Patrick Sandoval to make his second start of the season. Again, one of those younger arms I've been talking about with the Angels where, you know, he's, you know, 20, I think he's 24, 25. I don't don't think he's 25. I think he's 24. 
Yeah. He didn't start on like on the spot. Like you know, coming into the, the day, he wasn't playing for that start at all. Were you kind of worried about that situation as far as here's a guy has came in not knowing at all that he was going to start, and all of a sudden here the ball's in your hand. Go uh, go face the number one team in the division. Yeah, I mean those 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 instances aren't uh, you know they're definitely not uh, what you look for or what you want. Um, yeah, but he came up and, and pitched really well. Um, Sandoval's a guy that I've always thought had really good stuff, but then he'll he'll pitch a few good innings, but then he'll have like the odd kind of blow up inning. And you, he's one of these guys too, where you can see like when he makes a mistake or when he makes a walk, he's like very animated on the mound. Right. He kind of pace around a little bit. He'll like punch his glove. <laughs> he'll be very kind of animated. And part of me thinks it's like a mental thing with Sandoval most of the time. But yeah, he came up and he and he pitched really well. Um, and you know, we've seen him in spots, you know, here and there early early this season. He's come out of uh, out of the bullpen a few times. Um, he's kind of had mixed results, but this is probably the best I've seen him. Uh, maybe ever. I don't know. I think he's had a few few good starts that we can think about in the last couple of years, but this is the best I've seen him in a while. Yeah, very young, very still raw, um, I think, mm-hmm. in that aspect as being a pitcher, but he does go five innings, gives up five hits, zero earned runs, only walks two, four strikeouts, only goes at five innings and at 84 pitches. I think the last start he had was around the 85, 86 pitch count. I was mm-hmm. kind of expecting him maybe to go into the next inning, which he didn't, were you expecting the same thing or were you thinking they got five out of a guy that wasn't expected to pitch? That's good. We should, you know, go, go to the next uh, guy in the bullpen. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I, I get the reasoning of like, Hey, this guy gave us kind of five solid innings. Um, he, this is a very, like the definition of a spot start. So, so kind of let's, let's, let's go to the bullpen now, but the way the angels bullpen has been, um, all season is is it leaves very little confidence you know so <laughs> yes i would have i would have definitely maybe liked to have seen him go another inning until he he really showed that he was going to get into trouble i'm kind of against kind of the new thought of the new kind of ideology in the game of kind of pulling guys before they really even get into any kind of trouble um right. that that happens a lot you know the third time through the lineup type situation where um that's kind of been dominating the game but yeah, in this case, I would have I would have liked to have seen Sandoval um, probably go out there again, at least retire another couple hitters. Maybe I'm not sure what part of the uh, A's lineup was coming up that next inning. That also dictates a lot. I don't know if it was right. a lot of righties. I'm not sure how he did against righties that night. But if you went into the numbers a little more, there might be a little more reasoning behind why they went to the bullpen. But um, yeah, I would have liked to have seen him get a couple more outs, maybe. So Aaron Slagers comes in after uh sandoval in the six actually strikes out the very first guy he faced that inning so you're kind of thinking okay it seems like with the angels pitchers always that first guy because of a walk uh-huh. or because of a base hit always seems to be the hardest guy for them to to get out but after that um he goes double walk single single and now they're down oh three before you can really even blink um yeah. alex claude you came in up after that gave up two more and now you're looking at a five oh deficit after six but to be truthful about it it probably wouldn't have much mattered anyway the way that uh was it chris bassett was pitching for the a's um he goes a complete nine innings only get up two hits in one walk i mean mm-hmm. we can say all we want about the bullpen and all that stuff but at the end of the day um it did it wasn't going to matter too much the way he was pitching he looked great that night and for an offense that needs to be 
you know, producing runs at a good at a good pace. This is exactly what the Angels didn't need uh, for this game. Yeah, he's been uh, quietly over the last couple of years been probably their best pitcher. Um, I think he got a playoff start last year against I think it was the White Sox they played in the postseason. But yeah, he's um, he's really emerged as as kind of a really quality guy. Um, doesn't really overpower you with stuff. He's kind of the prototypical kind of athletics pitcher where you're kind of like wasn't probably probably wasn't like a high draft pick kind of right. comes out of nowhere and kind of just really puts up a lot of quality innings. Um, it's a guy like that that the Angels have lacked for a long time now with just a just a quality guy um, that's just going to give you start in and start out six solid innings. In this case, he gives them nine innings of of a, of a complete game shutout. So. Right. Um, yeah, he's yeah. he was he was really good. He was dealing nothing nothing looked comfortable from the guys in, in the batter's box. Like I mentioned, only gave up two hits and one walk. I think one of those hits too was like a slot a soft infield you know uh, dribbler down third base where he just wasn't able to get to it. it wasn't like it was a hard hit mm-hmm. single or anything like that. So uh, nine strikeouts again. Angels lose this game five to zero to the again the leading uh, the team that leads the division, the Oakland A's. Friday now, because of the whole um, Otani traffic jam, if you will, he is now pitching this game. And it, and it was very interesting because of something you said earlier about his velocity being down the last time he was out uh, or out there on the mound. So this was obviously something that was a lot of people were watching. Um, you know, his velocity, from what I remember, got up there enough to where you feel like, okay, it's not an issue. It was maybe a dead arm. And maybe he's still kind of working back from because from when I was watching it from when I remembered – he was still getting like around the 94, 95, which is a ton better than I think he topped out at what, like 91, 92, yeah, his yeah. last outing. So obviously when they were saying about him having that kind of dead arm issue, it seemed like it's legit. You know, he never gone to IL. He never skipped the opportunity to, to bat. Um, and he came out here and he did really well in this outing. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, I know he was hovering around 94, 95, like you said, and I think he touched like 97 or 98, especially in a couple at-bats against uh, Mark Canna. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, more to that, <laughs> more to that story. But um, yeah, no, he looked, he looked really good. Um, he put up another quality start. Um, you know, he's, you, there's part of me that wants to see that like eight inning, 12 Ks, one walk, right. no earned runs type Otani, but like, at this point, I mean, he's been – I mean, given what great. we saw of him – yeah, he's been great. Given what we saw of him last season in those two starts that he made where he really struggled and he ended up getting the arm injury that kind of shortened his season, he's been uh, he's been back to form. So, um, And, yeah, the velocity thing, I was concerned the first time around. This time, yeah, as you said, you know, you bring up a good point. He might still be battling through a little bit of that dead arm. But um, at this point in time, it's obviously not an injury concern right, right. now. So – He's he's been good, very good. Yeah, you talk about Mark Canna. He goes Otani too. If like if you have and if you're an Angel fan, you haven't watched an Angel game with Otani. He is the most apologetic, like yeah. courteous player I've seen in ever. Like he will, you know, the game before this on Thursday, he's in the batter's box. Gets he he gets a time. It, it is it is fairly late. Like I will say that it was a late kind of time. He literally just looks straight out to the pitcher and it's like so apologetic. Like, my bad. I'm so sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, that was on me. That was on me. It's like you never see that from anybody. You never see that from any player. And then, yeah, a ball gets away from Canna, who is kind of up on the plate normally anyways. I think he leads mm-hmm. the league with hit, oh, uh, yeah. hit by pitches. 
Yep. And then you see a little burst of, I don't want to say rage or whatever, but, you know, kind of like, come on. It's like, and credit to Suzuki gets in front of him real quick because now that Trout's out, he's the franchise. Until right, Trout comes right. back, he is the guy. And it was just mm-hmm. the funniest thing in the world because you can never see Otani. Like, if there's ever, quote, unquote, an unwritten rules part of the game where he needs to beat somebody, I don't think he'll do that just because either he will and, and like, be really sad about it later or just won't do it. But it was just so funny to see a guy like someone coming after someone like Otani. And even then, Otani was just like, okay, just give me the ball. I know nothing's going to happen. Right, right. Yeah, and you could see Canna um, uh, was basically kind of at first he kind of like looked at Shohei and was like, come on, show, like, yeah, let's like, let's freaking go. Like, he was just upset. And then Suzuki got in his face. And then I think Canna eventually like calmed down and like realized that like, okay, that wasn't intentional. Maybe Canna just got like shook really quickly. Right. Like, I don't hey, know. You've been pitching me like up and in, up and in, and but like all these, all these high fastballs. So maybe he just got shook real quick. But you could tell that like he knew in his head that like okay, Otani's not trying to hit me here, obviously. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's it's really hard to dislike Otani. I mean, he comes across as you guys you were saying, super like, um, just super happy go lucky. Loves playing the game. It doesn't really have like a mean streak in him. Yeah, it's it's really hard to like as a player like get hit by him and be like wanting to charge the mound. I mean. Well, that and he's guy. like what six four two, you know, two thirty. Yeah. Like you see those pictures of him working out. His upper body is just—you can park <laughs> a bike. You can park a bike on his shoulders. It's like, yeah, do you know what? Right. Uh, maybe not. Maybe not. But yeah, yeah, so he has a great outing, like you mentioned. He gets through six innings. Through those six innings, he only gives up one earned run. The seventh, though, he gets into a little bit of trouble. He walks the next two guys, the first two guys, which. For Otani, it's always been the issue is that can he control the walks? Can he, you know, quit giving free bases? Well, in the seventh, he gives up walks for the first two guys, then gives up an RBI single. Uh, at that point, the A's are up two to one. And the night's over from after that without getting it out in the seventh. So his final line is six innings pitched, three hits, three earned runs, four walks, five strikeouts. And like I mentioned, two of those walks came in the seventh inning. But you have Ciszek. And uh, minor or my mayors come up after him and do and do a pretty good job, you know, mm-hmm. holding a team like uh, uh, Oakland and not letting them add any more onto the board. But I still think a very good outing by Otani, regardless of what what it kind of showed. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, as I was saying, this is another kind of quality start from him. Um, and yeah, it's it's. It's definitely. I think as the season gets gets on a little further, I think we we may see like the seventh inning, kind of eighth inning outings where he's got twelve right. Ks, like I was saying, and like no earned runs and like a walk or something like that. But yeah, what what did you say his walk line was for the Four for that walks. start? Four, Four walks, right? And two of them, like I said, were in the seventh inning. So until that point, you know, through six innings, he's only walked one, getting up three hits. So you knew his stuff was back, his velocity was back. Um, yeah. And we're, we're seeing him throw less uh, – or, or we're seeing less walks, which I think is positive because I remember those first few starts of the season, he was, like, walking, like, five or six guys yeah. and, like, striking out eight or something like that. Yeah, just, it was, yeah, it was like an eight and eight, <laughs> eight, eight walk, eight strikeout kind of yeah, performance. That, yeah, that's just not sustainable. So you figure that, like, once he got his feel – he seems like a real feel kind of pitcher in terms of, like, finding, like, the real, like, command right. for his fastball. For his fastball especially because, like, there was a few starts early in the season where the first inning was just, like – really hard to go through with him but then like second third fourth five, fifth sixth inning he had kind of locked it in so um yeah yeah i think i think he's coming along i think he's yeah, fine there, he's been great there was a game 
I think it was like two starts ago or maybe three starts ago for Shohei where they put a a, a graphic on, on the board or on the TV and it's echoing exactly what you're saying as far as like first inning, first inning ERA, it was like 4.8. It was high. Mm-hmm. And then like second inning on, it was like 0.73 or something like that. So it just showed exactly what you're saying. Like once he's able to get that feel and get out of that first inning with no or limited damage, he's able to settle in and, and really you know put guys away and be productive as a pitcher and stuff like that and this yep. this game they kind of missed him at the at, at the plate as well no DHing this game because they had a very limited bench with uh at this point uh jose iglesias wasn't on the il yet still working through that hamstring issue from um last week but mm-hmm. so they, that left him with like a two-person bench but like i mentioned they probably could have used otani DHing. they didn't get it the team ends up going one for eight with runners in scoring position and six left on base, which has kind of been the Angels' Achilles heel offensively. When you look at a game and they only score one or no runs, you tend to go look at that stat right away, and that stat is usually pretty damning. You know, besides the Chris Bassett one where no one got home base, so you don't have any of that stats. But normally it's it's the, uh, you know, guy leads off with a double and then somehow still gets stranded there, you know, three batters later. Yeah, yeah, it's it's tough, man. It's with these injuries that have really hurt the position players so far this season. We we're down to depth pieces that you know we really don't want to have to kind of put in there on an everyday basis. You know, the Taylor Wards, the Jose Rojas's, um, you know, the Lagarises. Although all three of those players have shown a lot, uh, especially Ward. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, Ward has kind of made me like him a little more. I mean, he's not, I I don't, I don't think he's an everyday player still, but, um, they've all kind of had flashes of, oh, wow, you know, this, this is actually great. Jose Rojas, uh, there was a stat the other day, I think Gooby mentioned it, or he mentioned it again today 12 doubles for Jose Rojas. I was like, like, double or nothing. Yeah, I was like, what what is he? Where have these doubles been? I where <laughs> how have I been missing twelve doubles? Um, so and I think he leads. You might lead the, the team in that. So um, you know all these all these kind of death pieces have all showed a little bits of something, but on a consistent basis for a win right. a team that wants to be competitive and winning. Uh, you know we're playing them more than we need to, but it's it's just it is what it is. What with the injuries to Trout and of course we forget about Dexter Fowler wow. hurting himself in in the, in the early in the season. So. Yeah, Dexter Fowler going down in like the what was the second series of the of the season. Yeah. So I mean, like you said, it, that happened the first ten games of the year. And there's, it's been so many rotating outfielders now since you know him and Trout and you know Upton mm-hmm. has his days off and you have Lagaris, you had uh, you have Ward, Rojas, Walsh John was Jay, out there. John Jay, John Jay was there for a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's just real interesting to see how this team is going to be pieced together with injuries, but. So they dropped the second game on Friday. So now they're down 0-2 in the series. And I kind of said this before the series started on the last podcast as far as you want to try to get a split with with Oakland here. Now you're up in Oakland. This is the division uh, leading team. If you could come out with a split, you know, that's not bad. And they put themselves in a real hard situation right off the bat, dropping the first two. Come Saturday, um, you know, hoping to get a victory and, like I mentioned, split the series. Alex Cobb comes on uh, for his second start pretty much since he came off the IL with that blister issue. And I was kind of interested to see how he was going to be and how effective he was going to be, uh, again, his second his second start back. You know, the first one, you're kind of wondering if there's rust or just kind of working his arm back again. The second one, I was wondering how many steps forward he was going to take. And he took uh, a lot of steps forward. He looked really, really great this uh, this outing. 
Yeah, Cobb. Um, he really, he, yeah, he 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 probably turned in probably one of the starts of the season um, for the Angels, and um, yeah, I, I feel like he had that when he has his uh, his. I think he's got like a split changeup. It's not a split finger fastball because it's not that it's not that hard. It's like an eighty. 86, yeah. 88 mile an hour uh, split that he's got. He calls when it he has thing, a, so I don't know exactly right. what it is. But he has his own nickname, yeah. so there you go. Yeah, 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 exactly, the thing, right. So, yeah, when he has the thing kind of going, and I, from what I saw kind of in, in glimpses of it last night, I caught bits and pieces of the game, but it seemed like he really had it moving really well, um, down in the zone, dropping down in the zone, getting a lot of ground balls. I think they turned a few double plays last night yeah. uh, with, with him on the mound, so that's always nice to see. Um, can't remember the last time I saw an Angels team turn like three or four double plays in a game. It's <laughs> a lot, a lot of balls, you know, uh, a lot of infield errors lately. But yeah, Cobb pitched a, a hell of a game. Um, and and I think it dropped his ERA down into like the threes. I was like, oh yeah. wow, when yeah. since when has his ERA kind of dropped so so fast? So yeah, uh, all things good with Cobb. Yeah, you kind of mentioned that the double turning the double plays, the defensive plays, because the defense has been a, a real big issue with the Angels. And you got a really good defensive double play. This is one of your double plays by Anthony Rendon. Green light on 3 and 0, and a high fly ball into a vacated cavernous part of the ballpark. And Rendon gets there for the out. Kemp advances, and then he overslides at second base. So there's one of the double plays right there. Anthony Rendon playing the shift. So he's over by the where the shortstop is normally. And I think right. it comes out that night, or I know definitely this this next day, uh, he ran like 113 feet for that ball and is able yeah. to double and make a, a – you know, obviously the, the throw to Fletcher wasn't exactly on, but actually that kind of helped because, right. you know, Kemp thinking maybe it got by and pulls him off the base, uh, but Fletch still being able to hold on to that ball and making the double play, but – Defensive plays like this, or I don't want to sound like spoiled or whatever, but it's like this is the stuff that the Angels fans were used to seeing, like these this mm-hmm. kind of defensive plays and efforts, and, and it's just been kind of frustrating to not see that this year. But this was a great play by Anthony Rendon and, and David Fletcher. Yeah, I mean, going back to Simmons, and I think they showed a highlight during today's afternoon game yeah. where they showed a uh, footage of Simmons basically doing the same thing at the Coliseum uh, back in like 2015 or 2016. So. Yeah, it, it, yeah, an incredible play. I'm not sure what Tony Kemp was doing there. He like <laughs> took a big turnaround second. He probably thought that you know Rendon wasn't covering third, so he was going to try to go for it. But um, yeah, no, it's 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 great to see a few spectacular um, defensive plays because uh, yeah, as you were saying, you know, I think Fletcher today even from short he had a, a an mm-hmm. error at short, a throwing error at short. At short. He kind of pulled Walsh off the bag. So um, yeah, this, it was nice to see that yesterday from Rendon. And, and Rendon, I mean, not Rendon, but like the Coliseum, that always, even though I've seen a ton of games there on TV because of obviously the Angels A's, I always forget how much space is there, you know, by where the dugouts are, by where the, um, you know, bullpens are. It just seems like third and first basements can just run forever and not have to worry about hitting anything. And then a play like that happens where, like I said, he's going 113 feet where if it's at any other stadium, that ball's probably what, like five, six rows deep in, in the stands. Yep. Yep. That's why that I think that plays a lot into why you see so many Oakland athletics pitchers be really good is because look at their home ballpark. They how many outs do you think they get oh, in a yeah. season just because of that foul territory? So yeah, definitely it, plays into it. It definitely helps. So the next half inning, Angels get on the board by a defensive blunder that wasn't on the Angels. 0-1 to David Fletcher. 
Bunting. Olsen comes home. It's mishandled, and the Angels score. So it feels pretty good to be on the other side of something like that because if you saw the play, uh, Rojas was dead to rights. Uh, looked like a contact play. You know, Fletcher kind of hit it a little too hard on the bunt to where it got to the first baseman really quickly. But luckily, um, Olsen tossed the ball away and uh, Rojas was able to score. But like I said, felt good to be on the other side of a play like that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, kind of reminded me of that play in the World Series with uh, Randy Arozarena scoring against the Dodgers there. Where oh, the, yeah. There was the throw to Will Smith at home, and Will Smith dropped it, and Arozarena paused, and then he, like, continued. It was less, less dramatic than that, but same same concept, yeah, so. Yeah, yeah it, but, it was again, it was great to see something go right, I guess, for the Angels when a lot of times it hasn't seemed, it seemed like it hasn't been going right. So after that, obviously, Otani comes up and – uh, with two on and does this. 1-0 to Otani. Into left field to base hit. That's going to score Ben Boom easily. Fletcher comes around to score. 3-0 Angels. So 3-0 Angels. Anthony Rendon would end up adding one more to make it 4-0 Angels after that inning. And it was kind of funny. All the scoring, it seems like, in this series for the Angels have all been like in single innings. Yeah, yeah, they've put up some crooked numbers, as they say, um, in, a, in a couple few of these innings. So yeah, it was it's it's good to get on the board there. And Cobb was kind of rolling at that point, so it was kind of it was great to get Cobb some runs um, at that point in the game. Uh, I think that's that was the fifth inning. So yeah. yeah, so that's all Cobb would need for the game. Like we mentioned, he had a really great game. He went seven innings, three hits, zero runs, only two walks, and eight strikeouts. So again, a, a real real quality outing by Alex Cobb. I'm not going to lie. I was kind of worried. I had an opportunity to put him up on my um, fantasy league. And I was like, oh, you know what? I'm not 100%. Now I'm kicking myself 100% not picking him up. But uh, a great outing against, again, a really good team, the Oakland A's. Uh, so anytime you can get a victory from them, it's a plus. But definitely something that they needed. It would suck <laughs> to go down 0-3 in the series. But then you have Watson and Iglesias come in for the last two innings. Um, pretty much zeros across the board except for one strikeout. And that's the first – uh, shutout for the Angels uh, all season, which is pretty crazy when you think about it. Yeah, that's awful. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that just seems. Yeah, that's that's really a tale of the tape in terms of like uh, what kind of season it's been so far for the Angels. But glad they could get it done. Um, you know, if they're going to get it done against any team, it would definitely be. I would definitely have it be Oakland, um, who's who's obviously first in the division. So, yeah, big big victory. Yeah, and and it came out earlier or at this time that okay the angels have their first shot of the season it was going to be the you know 29 now other teams have shutouts with the only one being Pittsburgh but then when you look at the the, the time of the games Pittsburgh actually got a shutout that same day and it was like you know two hours earlier so technically angels are the last team to throw a shutout to get a shutout this season which you know it's yeah, never crazy. good it's never uh, it's never a good thing to have on your on your resume, but I guess at the same time we do have a, a way better record than Pittsburgh, so it's not all bad. Yeah. So no. again, Alex Cobb, great outing. I'm really interested to see how his next outing is going to be and and what we can see from him. Now going into uh, Sunday day game, kind of weird two back to back day games, Saturday and Sunday. We we're kind of talking about that uh, before we started recording. You know, you don't see that very often. Sunday getaway days are normal. You're used to it. Right. You can almost plan your Sundays around it. But they have a Sunday, you know, 
one o'clock or 12 o'clock or 12 30 game is, is really rare and that's exactly what happened here angels are gonna have three one o'clock starts in a row between saturday sunday and then monday at, at san francisco so for it's gonna it probably feels like spring training for these guys now that all the early wake-up calls and all that stuff yeah for sure i mean thankfully uh they just got to hop across uh, across town to play the Giants. so no no excessive travel hopefully the bar is working okay and they're able to get to the stadium and stuff but yeah, yeah. Um, thankfully, yeah. thankfully they're just going across town. Yeah, and two, they stay in San Francisco, so there's a good chance they're actually closer to San Francisco's ballpark than they are to Oakland. So there's definitely true uh, shouldn't be any travel issues. But we'll get to that in a second. So Jose Quintana comes up to get to start this game with the Otani being pushed back because of the travel. Literally, everyone got pushed back a single day, which means at the beginning of the week you had Bundy here making the start. He got pushed back to Monday. How are you about Bundy? Would you would you have seen rather than see him pitch here? Because they could have very easily just swapped Quintana and Bundy and have Quintana start, you know, in in San Francisco, and and no one really would miss a day of rest. Everyone would still be on full rest. Yeah, uh, I mean the way Bundy's been pitching lately, um, I don't know. It's it's tough. I mean, I think I'd want to see him probably pitch in that ballpark. Um, but yeah, it's it's tough. Quintana and Bundy are the two. Um, Angels pitchers right now that I'm kind of the lowest on. Um, Quintana was okay today, but he got into a lot of trouble in the yeah. third. Um, so yeah, I'm fine with Bundy going tomorrow. I I I, I don't know. I'm Bundy kind of worries me right now, but that's kind of another do you, another do you story. Think with Bundy, it's as simple as oh he has ankle issues or he's you know nursing a sore ankle, or do you think it's something more as far as you know, maybe something that was working last season isn't working now and people have picked up on it. Yeah, it could be. I mean, the reason he used to get hammered a ton in Baltimore was because he was so reliant on his fastball. People just like really feasted on his fastball kind of up in the zone. And since he came over to the Angels, he's been throwing his breaking ball or his changeup a lot more. And he throws those pitches uh, for strikes too. So he's able to kind of work off those pitches and then use his fastball kind of every so often. But yeah, I mean, I'd probably have to go back and look at it, but he's. My guess is that he's probably getting hammered on his fastball um, again. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't know. I maybe in the and then as you said, there's this ankle uh, issue that he may or may not have. Um, so yeah, it could be could be a couple of those things. I hope I they really need him to to get back on track. Um, if they have him on track with Otani and Cobb pitching a little better, Canning to me has kind of turned a corner a little bit. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see. But so Quintana starts again against the A's. His last outing was against the A's in Anaheim, so he sees them back to back starts. His outing in Anaheim was actually really good. Went five and a third, giving up only three earned runs. Um, and again, for someone like Quintana, you'll take that every time. But he gets into yeah. a little bit of trouble in the first, gets out of it. But in the second inning, uh, Jared Walsh gets the Angels on the board first. He's 10th and runs batted in. Hammers that one through the zone and drives it up, over, and out of here. Jared Walsh with his 12th home run of the year, and the Angels strike first. Oakland reminds me of a lot of Angel Stadium in the fact that when it's the day game, the ball travels a lot better than at night. At night, I feel like if that was like a 7 o'clock, 6.30 start, that ball is probably getting caught because of the marine layer and just being uh-huh. close to sea level and stuff like that. But in the day games, when the sun's out, it just seems like it carries so much better and, and, it, and it helps the Angels there with uh, Jerry Walsh's home run. 
Yeah, I mean, looking at it off the bat, that looks like it's like a, a, a line drive to the right fielder or the center fielder kind of ranging to his to his left. But yeah, he got yeah, he's he really snuck it out there, went over the wall right there. So um Jerry Walsh continues to stay hot, continues to produce. Um you know, now that he's getting every day, obviously getting every day at bats now that Albert's gone. Um, mm-hmm. how do you feel about Jer- or Jared? You know, are you excited about him, the future? How do you feel about him? Yeah, great. Um, I feel like he's he's been kind of, I mean, Angels fans know, but I think league-wide, uh, he's starting to get a little recognition, but I think mm-hmm. he's still kind of largely unknown. But they always like to pull up the stat on Angels broadcast where it's like the most RBIs since September, and he like yeah. is he's like in top three or four. He's up there with like Freddie Freeman and a bunch of other all-stars in terms of, uh, you know, RBIs um, over the last, you know, four, three or four months uh, of, of last season and this season. So, yeah, he's been consistent. He's been uh, – it's definitely been a shock because in spring training, he didn't look like the Jared right. Walsh from September. Right. So I was a little concerned going into the season that we were going to get, like, maybe that was just a flash in the pan. But, no, I, th- I think he's the real deal. Um, he may not be a 300 hitter. He might be, like, a 270 guy. But if he's, like, hitting 270 with, like, 25, 30 home runs and, That's what today's you know, baseball is anyway, so it fits in perfect. Yeah, exactly. So I would love that to have a. It's been a while since we've had a first baseman that's put up thirty home runs. So, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then, and then too, like some of his defensive plays have been really, really well. And like even at some point, we we talked about the the play against with Fletcher pulling him off the base, but he still had to make a pretty athletic play to even keep that ball from rolling or from getting by him and getting you know. Mm-hmm. You mentioned how much room is in is in Oakland. I mean that ball could have rolled forever, but he still made a, a, a great defensive play just to keep it from doing that so uh there's right. been a couple of times where defensively he's definitely shown the improvements from you know obviously from albert albert being aging and all but uh definitely something to be excited for the first baseman of the future if you will <laughs> yeah he can pick it and he's still pretty young i mean i think he's 28 he's like yeah. in that late 20s stage yeah, where and he's and about to base, enter his prime and first base isn't physically super physically demanding, so you can play first base a lot. Long, Albert's a perfect example. A lot longer right. than you can play, you know, shortstop or you know even mm-hmm. you know, catcher. Geez, that's a, that's like a death sentence on your knees. But like, right. yeah, first base you can play for even longer because it's not so much you know physical exertion and not a real lot of stress on the body. So that's that's something else going for him too. That position. Yep. So later in the inning, David Fletcher would come up with two on, and he does this. Fletch lines that one into left field. It is down. Over to play it is Pinder. A pair of Angels will score. The most clutch of all Halo hitters gets it done again. David Fletcher, it's three to nothing. So Fletcher makes it 3-0. He's been batting in that nine spot now for a little while. He seems to kind of turn to be turning around a little, little bit more. Um when he does start getting hot, do you want to see him? at the top of the order or do you kind of want to like not mess with a good thing right now and keep them there at that nine hole and, and use him to flip the order back over or line it back yeah, over? Yeah, I, I, I think, uh, yeah, I like him in the ninth spot for now. I mean, the way he's producing now, I think he's definitely a nine hole hitter. Um, if he starts to pick up the on-base percentage a little more, take more walks, um, be kind of the player that he was kind of last year and then kind of the tail end of 2019, I, I, I wouldn't mind him being a leadoff hitter again, but, um, yeah, he's had kind of a an up and down, definitely up and down kind of 2020. Um, 
sorry, 2021. Um, but yeah, he, he's, he thrives in these runners on base position, um, you know, situations where he's able to kind of just like flick the ball into play, yeah. put, put the ball into play and see what happens. So, um, yeah, I mean, huge, huge. He came up really big today. Definitely. And then Phil Gosselin, a, a, a guy that I is still kind of underneath the radar and he's still able to come up with some of these clutch at bats. And this is one of yeah. them. The goose is loose down the right field line. Here comes Fletch to score. Oh, goose. Spread your wings and fly. <laughs> so Gosselin, again, one of those guys that can play anywhere. He could play. He was playing left field today. You've seen him pretty much at every position in the infield. Um, a, a good guy to have off the bench. And when he's producing like he is, when he does get those opportunities, a guy that you really want to hold on to and you, you value as a, as a manager that can put him in different positions and him still come through. Yeah, he's one of these Joe Madden kind of prototypes. Like when Joe Madden had Ben Zobrist, um, both yeah. in Chicago and in Tampa, where they kind of they play multiple positions, they come up with kind of good hits here and there. Um, but yeah, he's 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 great right now. Um, he's kind of a great kind of utility guy to have. Um, he's kind of a journeyman player. I think he spent time with the Phillies, a few other teams, never really caught on for any extended period. But just one of these journeyman utility guys. Every team has one. Every team needs one. Yeah. Um, it just depends on how much they can end up producing. And yeah, he's he's come up in some good spots lately. So, so that would make the score four zero after two. Jose uh, would get into some trouble in the third. Um, started with that air like we were talking about with David Fletcher, and then he would walk the next three guys in a row to obviously produce a run. Uh, now the score is four one. Still with the bases loaded, he was able to only give another sack fly with, before getting out of the inning. So for a situation there, you had bases loaded, no outs. He gives up a walk and a sack fly to make it 4-2. to two. Definitely I, the best case scenario, I would think, in that situation with him almost having to go right down the middle of the plate because of the fact that he could not locate it on the corners at all. So to give up two in that situation was definitely uh, a sigh of relief. Uh, considering how it could have turned out to be, yeah, that it was not, it was not looking great for him in that in that stage. And I almost, yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, at that point, just like just pump a fastball up there. You know, you're up four nothing, or you're up four right. one after he walks in a guy. Just pump a fastball in there and let your defense, you know, play behind you. As 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 scary as that sounds with this Angels defense, but <laughs> yeah, you got you can't be walking in runners. You can't be you know walking as many guys as Quintana has been walking and, and expect any kind of success. Um, which is crazy because the first two innings he looked really sharp. So uh, yeah, just one of those things. So you end up getting taken out. Would not see the fourth inning. He goes three innings, two hits, zero earned runs because of the air. None of those runs are going to count against his earned run average, so technically his ERA is going to be dropped. Um, but four walks and five strikeouts. Um, later on, Joe has come out since the game and said it was he has shoulder discomfort, so that's something to watch out for if there's an IL stint somewhere in the future or, mm-hmm. or, or maybe just a simple pushback. I don't know. So maybe that has something to do with it. Maybe not. Maybe that's something that he wants to kind of give him the excuse for. I don't know. But that's something to definitely keep an eye out for. But after that, Jose Suarez comes in to, you know, you kind of breed him. You kind of brought him up as a starting pitcher. So you're hoping to get length out of this guy. And that's exactly what happened with the Angels. He ends up going three innings, uh, three innings, no hits, four walks, or four strikeouts, sorry, and a very questionable walk um, to mm. start that that next inning. Um, mm-hmm. He should have had, it should have been strike three. 
some of these umpires are missing real easy calls. But yep. needless to say, he got three innings. He got through the sixth, sixth inning. Uh, like I mentioned, he started the seventh, walked the guy in the seventh, and then he got pulled after that. But, you know, Suarez, again, another young guy that the Angels have that can either develop into a bullpen arm or still have opportunity to develop into a starting uh, pitcher. Yeah, I think the door is probably opening now for him to start some games, especially yeah. if Quintana misses any time. I think uh, he showed today that against a really good, a really good and really uh, patient Oakland A's team. If there's yes. anything you learn from this series, is that these A's yes. hitters do not swing it at, at balls out of the zone, or they 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 take their good at bat. So um, yeah, Suarez looks like a good option to 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 get some starts at some point this season, which is crazy. I would have told you you were crazy if that. <laughs> If, if I if you had said that at the beginning of the season, right? And and, and listening to the game today, Darren Sun made a great point about Suarez. If he is an American-born kid, he's a mm-hmm. senior in in college right now. Mm-hmm. He's equivalent of and and he's already seen uh, you know quite a bit of major league time. You know, obviously last season I think he only made like two or three appearances and got rocked in those two or three appearances. But even going back to the year before that in 2019, I, I remember him making at least four appearances. And you think about how young he is. Like I mentioned, if he's any other guy, he is, um, you know, Reed Detmers age-wise. You know, yeah, and look where yeah. Reed's at right now. He's in Double A, still doing good, but still there. I mean, I'm sure if you put Suarez in Double A, he'd be killing it as well. So I, I, I don't think the future is as bleak as some Angel fans think, pitching-wise. I think there are young pitchers now. Whether they develop or not, that's going to be a whole another issue for a whole another day. But you know. You have the cards there. You just have to play them right. And like right. I mentioned before, you have Canning, Suarez, Berea, Chris Rodriguez, Detmers. Um, I feel like I'm forgetting. I'm forgetting another one. But anyways, that's like five or six main guys, pitchers that are all under like 25. If like two of those guys hit mm-hmm. and become legit front of the end kind of rotation pieces, you're set. So you yeah. have six opportunities to get two. And I like those chances right. for the Angels going forward. If they're able to fix the pitching staff, coaching staff situation now that Mickey Callaway is gone and get something settled there, again, this will be, if they find a new coach next season, it will be like four coaches in four years, which for, for a pitching staff that's not great, that doesn't help mm-hmm. at all either. Right, right. They need a they need like a Mike Fletcher or somebody that's going to be there for an extended period of time and – and kind of really groom these these younger guys. Um, I don't know if that's Matt Wise or somebody else, but um, yeah, they're going to have to look at somebody. But yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, we were, we were talking about these kind of young group of uh, of pitchers that ended up being like Heaney and Skaggs and Tropiano and and a couple others a few years ago. And it's like, man, if we can get Tropiano or Heaney or Skaggs to like stay healthy or you know do this or do that, it's going to be great. So. Yeah, you'd like. I mean, Reed Detmers in his last start looked really good in Double A. Yep. Um, uh, so yeah, I mean, th- we'll see. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's something. Like I said, it's hard to tell now. There's no way you're going to be able to tell which one of these guys develop and which one of these guys don't. You know, even by the end of this year, you're probably still going to have a question mark about some of those mm-hmm. guys. But I kind of bring up or we'll finish this up real quick. But yeah, so Suarez goes three innings, like I mentioned. After that. They go Ciszek, Myers, and Iglesias. Iglesias gets a four-out save, and the Angels win at 4-2 to two to split the series against the Oakland A's, winning the last two games. And again, you're in Oakland, the division leader. You take two out of four. You split the series. That is a huge W for um, for your team that's been struggling, and hopefully now you're able to build a little bit off it. Because before Quintana's start today, you look at those previous three starting those outings by the starters, 
they were all really good. They were all yeah. something that you can very easily, if you know, if you get a bounce here offensively or bounce there, um, can turn those into victory. So that's something uh, really positive to turn uh, the, to build on going into San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of the starters perform really well. Um, C-Shack has had a really good run of the last like ten or eleven games. Yeah, in they the showed bullpen. that stat too. That was crazy. <clears throat> I didn't, I didn't know that. They said like his first eleven games ERA was like above five, mm-hmm. and then his last eleven appearances is ERA at I think below one or at around one, which right. I had no clue that was that that was the case. Yeah, was yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the, the starters look better. Hopefully the bullpen will kind of work its way, uh, work out some of the kinks. Mike Myers still kind of scares me a little bit. Yeah, um, but Watson, if C-Shack can kind of maintain this, uh, obviously we're getting C-Rod back pretty soon. Um, Iglesias looks locked in, and I loved how, like, amped up he was, like, right. um, at the, to close out today's game. He's done back-to-back four-out saves, I'm pretty sure. So, yeah. Um, yeah, hopefully we're hopefully we're turning a page here. So and kind of like you mentioned, uh, Chris Rodriguez and Matt Stassi have both been uh, with Salt Lake starting. Mm-hmm. Or Chris started on Friday. Stassi started like the last like three days. Chris looks like Chris is going to get one more start, I believe, on Monday tomorrow. And then from there, they're going to make a decision whether to bring him up or not. He's only been pitching one inning in those quote unquote starts, so it's not like he's trying to go three or four innings and stretch him out. They're just trying to make sure. He can get through a single outing without any kind of pain or discomfort or anything like that. And after the first one, it worked out great. Uh, I believe he got one three up with three down, or, or maybe he walked one guy. Uh, but anyway, it was a clean inning. Uh, we'll see what happens Monday. Hopefully Wednesday, because I can't imagine them bringing him up the day after, because you'll be wasting a, a spot in, in the bullpen because you're probably not going to use them. So right. I would think maybe like when and Wednesdays. Wednesdays an off day, so when they come back to uh i believe they come back to anaheim after that thursday very possible very good possibility that you will see c rod and probably stassi also honestly um in that lineup in that bullpen that would definitely help the angels a ton going forward with that bullpen uh confusion having a c rod in there yeah yeah for sure so we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we are going to have our power rankings. This is something monthly I want to start doing, and obviously we did at the end of last month. And with May, uh, you know, by the time you listen to this, May probably will be over. But if not, um, May's over in a couple of days, and we're going to talk about our uh, power 10, and we'll be right back after this. You work hard and you play hard, so treat yourself and stock up for summer barbecues with Kansas City Steak Company. Visit KansasCitySteak.com and get 10% off your order and free shipping with code SD at checkout. From classic steak cuts to USDA Prime to American-style Kobe, hard-to-find specialty cuts, and more, Kansas City Steaks has everything you need to fire up the grill. They make it super easy. Each order from Kansas City Steaks is flash frozen and delivered directly to your home. Satisfaction is guaranteed or your money back. Imagine relaxing in the backyard with family while enjoying steakhouse quality meals from Kansas City Steaks. Try their butter tender filet mignon, Kansas City strip, juicy steak burgers, all beef jumbo hot dogs, and even a complete meal combos. Bring the steakhouse to your home this summer with Kansas City Steaks. Go to KansasCitySteaks.com and get 10% off your order and free shipping with code SD. That's KansasCitySteaks.com. Promo code SD. Again, that's KansasCitySteaks.com. Promo code SD. Sports, culture, takes. 
TakeLine has it all. TakeLine is a weekly podcast hosted by Emmy Award winner Jason Compression and former WNBA champ Renee Montgomery. That's a fast-paced exploration of the NBA and the world of sports and culture. Each week, Jason and Renee talk about the games, players, conversations, and issues that run both on and off the court. Follow now to hear TakeLine every Tuesday wherever you get your podcast. And we are back again. I want to thank Mike Brown for jumping on and, uh, you know, talking angels baseball, but also, uh, the big league chewing podcast. He does a baseball podcast. So he's always the best guy to talk to right now, as far as MLB in general. And that's why we have him on to do our, like our power ranking. So we did it earlier last month and this is it. This was the power 10 for us last month. Um, so some names that are still on there, still well representative. I think our top three are, are still legit. After that, it gets kind of questionable. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> some of those teams have moved up, some of those teams have moved completely down. But you know, that's why we do it monthly because you never know uh what's gonna happen in baseball. So for this time, like I did before, Mike's gonna be up first. His number 10, Oakland A's. Yeah, so we just saw them for four games. Um, the A's have obviously, after getting off to a rough start, have been really good. Uh, their last 10, though, they're 5-5. Five and five. I don't think they had the week that they were looking to have against the Angels and the Mariners. Um, they have a negative 10 run differential. It's still um, weird that they have a negative is, run differential and they're still leading right, the division. Right. So that's that's really strange. But um, all in all, um, I think they're a top 10 team in the league. Um so yeah, they're my number 10. My number 10, the Houston Astros. Um, you know, Granky looked great today. I mean, they had a really good and again, these were kind of put together yesterday, but maybe I would have bumped them up when I saw the Granky outing today against San Diego. But San Diego will be able to take it to them. San Diego Granite is a really good team. Um, mm-hmm. I'm still kind of interested to see how they're pitching and and you know if, if they can play consistent. It seems like one they're one of the guys that is very team that's kind of up and down. So I want to see them play a little bit more, but like I said, to you know, they're second place in the division, but the run differential is really good. So one of those things is going to have to change. Either the A's run differential is going to have to come up, or maybe the uh, Houston run differential comes down, or or maybe Houston just takes over first place. But uh, yeah. very interesting to see. Your ninth place team, the New York Yankees. Yeah, so the Yankees got swept uh, this weekend by the Tigers uh, in Detroit, I believe. So, which is which is crazy. Um, right, one of those baseball but, things where you can never really predict <laughs> that was going to happen. Right, but they're they're still third in the East. Uh, they're four and a half games behind the Rays. They have a plus ten run differential. Um, up until this Detroit series, they've been playing really well. Um, Garrett Cole looks like he's on a Cy Young track. Uh, Corey Kluber pitched a no hitter, but he recently went down yeah. with an injury. Mm-hmm. Not sure what the status is with him, but um, yeah, Garrett Cole looks like he's on a on a Cy Young track. Aroldis Chapman, I don't think had given up a run up until like a week ago. He may still have not given up a run. Um, so yeah, they they look pretty solid again. Obviously, yeah, the Yankees I think are going to be in that in that that East run. You know. From now into the season, like I can honestly see three teams from the East making the playoffs um, yeah. at the end of the year, and the Yankees obviously being one of them. My number nine is the Chicago Cubs, which is kind of surprising to me when I was kind of doing research on it. I did not realize how much of a run they are in and how mm-hmm. good some of their players have been playing. I mean, you're, you're talking about Chris Bryant, who's batting above 300, batting three 320 right now, um, mm-hmm. but they are in first place in the division. 
but I just it was really surprising to me to see that. Or they're sorry, they're half a game back of St. Louis now after today's game. But the run differential is plus twenty seven, so it's a really good run differential we're talking about. And it's just you know kind of surprising to me that they're able to keep this going. And with the central kind of being down a little bit this year, I kind of feel like they'll be able to feast on that maybe a little more than other teams, maybe at their caliber but are yep. in a harder division. So I kind of think the Cubs are going to be around for the whole season. Your number eight, Boston. Yeah, so we go back to the AL East here. Um, so yeah, so the Red Sox, um, after that series against Baltimore where they kind of scuffled kind of right out the gate, uh, the first series of the season, they've been really good. They got a plus 54 run differential. Their last 10, they're 7-3. and three. Uh, They're game back of the Rays, uh, who also make an appearance later on in my power rankings. But – yeah, the Red Sox have been really good. They've gotten a lot out of uh, starters like Nick uh, Nick Pavetta. Uh, their lineup yeah. is insanely good uh, with Devers, Bogarts, J.D. Martinez. Uh, I think Alex Verdugo is playing pretty well. That lineup doesn't really get enough love, especially with Devers and, and Bogarts. They're kind of forgotten. But, um, yeah, this, is, this Red Sox team has kind of hung around probably a little longer than most people expected them to this season. Um, they're 12 games over 500, And, yeah, they, they make my power rankings for sure. So then my number eight is the New York Yankees. You know, kind of piggybacking off of what you said, obviously the sweep from Detroit isn't ideal, but, you know, Cole is going to be Cole. That To me, having someone in the front end of that, of a rotation where you know if you're on a two or three game losing streak, he can come in and just, you know, shut it down and mm-hmm. get you a victory means so much. You know, you, they have to get healthy. I think if they're a healthier this team would be a lot higher on the rankings. Uh, you mentioned Kluber. Kluber is going on the IL for uh, pitch uh, after pitching that no hitter, and, and hopefully it's nothing major for him because he has he's better on himself this year. He has yeah. uh, signed that one year contract, hoping to get another one next year. And if he's out for a significant amount of time, that's really going to hurt not only the Yankees but himself. But yeah, I think they're going to be around. Like I mentioned, they're going to probably be one of those three of the teams that are going to be in the playoffs from the East. I truly believe that. So the next up for you, the number seven is the Cardinals. Yeah, yeah we got the Cardinals. So the Cardinals, um, you know, I, I think I actually was pretty high on the Brewers um, to enter the season. I think I probably picked the Brewers to win the Central. But the Cardinals have been playing really well. Um, last 10 games, actually, they're 5-5. Five and five, But um, guys like Arenado have played really well. Goldschmidt's been playing better. Um, this is a team that kind of you sleep on during the regular season and then, you know, uh, when the National League Championship Series comes around, they're like always in it somehow. So um, it's a team that I would bet on pretty heavily. Uh, Jack Flaherty uh, is kind of emerging as their ace. Uh, he's putting together a really nice season. Um, so, yeah, I have the Cardinals um, in my top 10 for sure. My number seven is the Oakland A's. I just, I, you know, maybe it's just recency bias for me seeing them play this weekend, especially. Um, uh, Thursday and Friday, you know, from Bassett's com- complete mm-hmm. game, no hitter, not no hitter, sorry, shutout um, to, you know, just, you know, you always have the mats, the Olsen and Chapman are always going to be there offensively uh, kind of, even if they seem to be in a slump, they're always threatening to, to take one deep and just their bullpen, you know, they got a uh, Lazardo back. Uh, so he's going to be a, a big bullpen piece. We saw him today, Sunday, he looked really good. So, uh, yep. I just think Oakland's one of those teams that can get hot, and they proved it, like you mentioned earlier in the season, they were on one hell of a streak. And, you know, if they get onto another one like that, they might 
put so much distance in between this first and second place team that it's, it's going to be really hard for anyone to catch them. But I, I truly think that they're going to be one of those teams that you don't want to see them when they're hot because they can be anyone um, in this, in this league regardless. Yep. So for you, number six, Chicago Cubs. Yeah. So the Cubs have kind of surprised me. Um, I think up until today, I think they're on a six or seven game winning streak. Uh, regardless, their last 10 games are eight and two. They have a run differential of plus 27. Um, and yeah, they're getting good seasons from guys like Chris Bryant. Um, their pitching is kind of managing to put it together, even though they lost you Darvish. Um, some of their bullpen arms have been pretty good. Um, Craig Kimbrell has kind of been better than he's been in recent seasons. So, yeah, um, I don't think I expect the Cubs – I'll go against what you said. I, I don't expect the Cubs probably to last as long into the season. Um, I think eventually they'll probably be sellers at the trade deadline. Um, but for now, I think they're forcing the front office to kind of rethink what their plans will be <laughs> yeah. uh, at the trade deadline because uh, the fan base will be really upset if this team is uh, – as good as they are now and the front office decides to sell a bunch of pieces that are in the last year of their contracts, like Chris Bryant. Um, I think Rizzo might have another year. He might also be in his last year, but um, yeah, either way they make my top 10 for now. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be really interesting to see. I think that's going to be one of the teams that can go one way or the other, like you mentioned, sell or buy. Um, mm-hmm. But the way they're playing, if they continue to be even, and again, the central, I don't think is going to be like a runaway. So I think they're always going to be around. And that's going to be really interesting. Like trade deadline comes and they're only four games out. What do they do? Cause that's, that doesn't seem like a lot of games to all of a sudden turn around and tell your fan base, Hey, we're selling, you know what I mean? So it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that goes once uh, it gets closer to the dread, trade deadline. So my number 16 is the San Francisco giants, a team to me that has been really, really surprising this year. I mean, you look at the division, the uh, NL West, you got the Padres in first, and then you have the Giants in second, and then the, the Dodgers in third. They just got done. We're talking about this. They took three out of four from the the, the Dodgers this weekend. And it has been a, a very good team, a very scrappy team. Uh, like I mentioned, a team that was not expected, I think, to contend like they are right now. And honestly, uh-huh. for the Angels, it's going to be kind of a hard two-game set um, against the Giants in San Francisco with – uh, Bundy against Cueto tomorrow, and then Heaney versus Alex Wood on Tuesday. So we'll, we'll see how that goes for the Angels. But this team is, is really scrappy and really well play really good baseball. And then your number five team, we'll just keep on adding on to that, is the Giants. Yeah, so perfect, perfect segue. So, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, as you said, I mean, the Giants took three out of four from the Dodgers. Um, they got another really good start out of Kevin Gosman today, um, although I think he left with an injury. Um, Johnny Cueto's been really good. Um, Anthony DiScalafani's been good. Um, Alex Wood, I think, had been pitching pretty well as well. So, um, and then Buster Posey, um, after kind of um, – he kind of uh, declined to play last season because of right. COVID and everything, um, he kind of opted out. Um, but he's, yeah, he's really kind of come back really strong. Evan Longoria, who's kind of been really kind of below average over the last few years, is kind of having a above average season. Um, they got a plus 64 run differential. And yeah, they're making, I mean, they're a half game behind the Padres, which is crazy. crazy. Um, so I, I, I think by August, we'll see this team kind of maybe in third place. I think this is probably a third place team. They're definitely better than the Rockies and Diamondbacks. Oh, definitely, yeah. 
Um, but I don't know. There's they're, they're sticking around. Yeah, something about, um, yeah, something about the Giants. You, you just I don't know. You, you never count them out, even though Bochi's not there. But they have a lot of those same guys there from his yeah. era, and they were able to continue to play. Like you mentioned, Buster yep. Posey, ten home runs. Brian Crawford, I think, is underrated. Eleven home runs right now. Longoria mm-hmm. is leading the team in um, in average and batting average. So yeah, this team is is yeah. a lot lot more scrappy than I think uh, a lot of people thought coming into the season, myself included. So my number five is the Chicago White Sox. Uh, not just because of their new uniforms that they're going to have, the city edition uniforms Ooh, that came out. Those are uh, nice. Those are nice. A couple days ago, but uh, so maybe that gave them a little. Maybe that gave them a little push. I don't know, but um, <laughs> you know, I, and talk about uniforms. I could have gave the A's a bump for those Kelly Greens. I love those Kelly Green uniforms mm. they wore all weekend. But anyways, you know, obviously it's kind of crazy to see the White Sox doing as well as they are with all the injuries they've had. Like Eloy, obviously, is going to be out for I think you know significant amount of time but they're still able to produce um uh, you know good bat good good people in the lineup i mean mercedes i mean mercedes where did he come from right you know, when he's not right. cracking oh three uh you know softballs he's he's still producing you know so i think mm-hmm. the white Sox are just you know are, are a really good team have a bullpen and that is also your number four team so i'll let you go even more into it yeah, the White Sox, um, after that series with the Angels, they've been, um, you know, they've been playing really well. Um, they have the Carlos Rodon uh, no-hitter. Uh, you know, all their pitchers are, are kind of clicking at this point. Um, Lance Lynn has been really good. Um, Lucas Giolito, who's kind of their ace, has kind of been up and down, but still been pretty pretty consistent. So, And, of course, they added um, – um, what's-his-face as the closer? Oh, man. Oh, uh, uh, Liam, Liam Hendricks. Hendricks. Yeah. Right. So um, they're kind of playing as they're playing as they should should have been playing on paper, kind of entering the season. Um, so 12 games over, they have a plus 80 run differential, which might uh, lead all of baseball. No, it's second to the Padres. So they're second to the Padres in run differential. So they're winning big. Um, this team, I think, is probably going to win the division. Oh, yeah. They're already three and a half games up on the Indians. Uh, obviously, three and a half games isn't anything crazy in May, but right. I feel like that's how good this team is. Is to like, I could probably circle them as winning that division unless they get some crazy injuries. And they, this is a team that's already undergone a right. lot of injuries. They lost Luis uh, Luis Robert, Eloy Jimenez. Um. Maybe somebody else, but yeah, it's it's uh they've really been battle tested and and they've come out uh very strong. So yeah, I, I think the White Sox, if at the end of you know June you see them now all of a sudden you know eight games above the next team in the division, I don't think that would shock a lot of people at all. I think they can just obviously grow from their their league. Mm-hmm. Um, number four for me is Boston. Uh, you kind of mentioned their lineup. I think their lineup is so underrated. They can put points up quick jd is you know people are talking about jd being back to where he was before now that he's able to um look at his at-bats after after his at-bat before last year because of uh the whole cheating thing they kind of got rid of all the technology in the dugout so meaning uh uh uh, no one could go down to the film room and kind of break down their at-bat and see what happened see what he did now that they brought that back and now it's all on tablets now it's all like um mlb uh, is the one organizing all of it to where you can't right. technically get your out bat to the next half inning. But, um, but ever since then he's been turning it around. JD has. And I think like you mentioned Verdugo and debt and uh, all those other, uh, 
almost said bets, not bets, uh, but all those all Devers. those Devers, yeah, those guys are just absolutely killing it. And then pitching too, you know, I think Eloy Jimenez or uh, not Eloy. Damn, I'm always uh, confused by the last one. Nathan Evaldi, I think, is going to mm-hmm. turn it around. Um, yeah, I, I was really I was really surprised by their offense more so than anything when when the Angels played them. When I started looking at and trying to figure out a, a hole, I guess you would in their lineup, and I just had a hard time finding. It. And I think they can hit their way um, to contending for for the East uh, East title this year when I think yeah. a lot of people didn't weren't expecting it. But I definitely think it's going to be on the back of their lineup for sure. Mm-hmm. And then your number three team is the Dodgers. Yeah. So after kind of a shaky kind of streak there, um, kind of around the time that the Angels played the Dodgers, the Dodgers were kind of going through kind of a real rough patch. Um, They've kind of turned things around. Obviously, this weekend series against the Giants is a huge step back. But ultimately, I think this is obviously still one of the better teams in the league. Um, Their rotation, even after Dustin May, is kind uh, kind of out for the season with Tommy John. Uh, is still top tier. Um, they're getting healthy. Uh, Cody Bellinger is back uh, over the last couple of games. He's been back. Um, Zach McKinstry, who is one of their kind of roving utility guys, he's back. Um, obviously, they got pool holes over there now, but um, they're they're getting a little healthier. They're getting healthier in the bullpen as well. Um, so I, yeah, I mean, it's still one of the better teams, even though this Giant series, I think, is is kind of a definitely a wake up call. Yeah, I and I completely agree. And then my third team is also the Dodgers. I think anytime you have, you know, Bauer, uh, Walker, and and mm-hmm. Kershaw, you in your rotation, you're automatically going to be, you know, in one of those top three spots because you're just going to have so much pitching uh, yep. for you. And then, like you mentioned, they're getting healthy now. Mm-hmm. Bellinger, Pujols has turned the clock back like at least one year, um, looking a little better now that he's in Dodger blue. Um, but you know, it, it's it's gonna, and again, it's gonna be real interesting for guys that like like Bauer, for example. Like he came in to win. He's he's he said it so many times. But now that they're yeah. struggling, now that it's not gonna be. Everyone was talking about the Dodgers coming into the season. Can they break Seattle's win record throughout the year? And I think it's pretty safe to say they can't do that. But they can still win the West. Um, but it's gonna be a lot harder. I think a lot of people thought with San Diego. And then like we mentioned too, uh, the giants are going to, even if the giants kind of fade, it always seems like they're going to, you're not going to want to play the giants late in the season when you Mm -hmm. have to win, you know, three out of four to clinch a spot because the giants will wreck you. Like they will either win a couple of games or make you work a lot harder than you would plan to. And and maybe ruin your next series of, you know, how they, how they play you. So Dodgers are always going to be in there. The top three, I think my top three, I could have changed, you know, any kind of order. That was kind of hard. But going into your number two team, the double or not double Rays. Damn, I'm getting names all wrong today. The Tampa Bay Rays. <laughs> yeah, the Rays. Um, you know, they're like the we always say this. It's like they're the uh, they're the Athletics of the AL of the AL East. Um, they always they always find a way to get it done. Their last ten, they're nine and one, fourteen games over five hundred, um, plus sixty one run differential. Um, yeah, they've been getting it from kind of the usual cast of characters that. Um, aren't really household names, but still kind of get it done. Yeah, um, still there. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, this team, I mean, they're a game above the Red Sox right now in the East. Um, but yeah, I have them, I have them so high up just because of this, this last 10 games are nine yeah. and one. Uh, they've been on a hell of a streak and it doesn't surprise me. Um, they'll, they'll definitely get a wild card if not maybe win the division. So, um, yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. That I mean, that's <laughs> and I'll just go right now because my number two team is also the Rays. But like you mentioned, the streak they're on. I mean, you look at the schedule. They they swept the Mets, swept Baltimore, swept Toronto. Which Toronto, I think, is a good team too. I think Toronto can be like in that. You know, if we were to extend it out a little bit, like 11, 12, 13, I think Toronto would, yeah. would find its way in one of those. So sweeping yeah. Toronto isn't like oh, whole hum. Like they swept Toronto, a good Toronto team that's really playing good right now. The long they lost one against Kansas City, but then when two against Philly. And it just seems like, you know, this team has it rolling. Like you mentioned, the A's. The A's can get hot at any time and roll off, you know, uh, 15 out of 17 kind of a deal. And I think the Devil Rays or the Rays, sorry, are are the same way. And they're doing it with cast of characters where us on the West Coast, you know, unless you really look deep into that rotation and look deep into that lineup, you're not going to know a lot of names by just like household names. So, they're, But they're getting it mm-hmm. done. And that's a big credit to them. But, yeah, as of right now, I definitely have them in the second spot. Again, I think it's a three-horse race in that East. It's going to be the, the Rays, the Sox, and the, and the Yankees. And, and maybe Toronto mm-hmm. makes it interesting later, but I definitely think it's going to be those three that are going to come down to the end of the season with the division. So your yep. number one team kind of makes it easy now by process of elimination, San Diego Padres. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, this is a team that I think took two out of three from the Astros over the weekend. And um, – Last night's game was actually pretty close, but the I think the Padres ended up kind of blowing them out. Uh, they blew them out in the first game as well. Um, it just shows you kind of the Padres can hang with like teams that are as good as the Astros. Obviously, we know they can hang with the Dodgers. Um, Tatis is back. Um, well, he's been back, but he's uh, he's producing at a at a high level again. Um, Will Myers has been, has been producing at another high level. So they have this kind of cast of guys that are very strong. Their bullpen, not a lot of household names, but you got Mark uh, Mark Melanson, who closed their closer, who has been super dominant this season, um, mixed in with a nice cast of kind of other supporting relievers. Um, obviously, the Darvish trade helped a lot. Um, Blake Snell has kind of been plus and minus. He's kind of been yeah. up and down. Um, and then Joe Musgrove was probably, he's probably been the biggest, um, impact pitcher for them so far this season, uh, picking them, him up from the pot, from the pirates. So, uh, yeah, the Padres are, are real. Um, I think this, this NL West is going to come down to the wire. I think it's going to come down to the Padres and, and the Dodgers. I don't think the gap between them is as big as we think, or we thought previously. Um, I think, Whoever wins that division will win it by maybe two and a half games, three yeah. games tops. Yeah, um, there's not a big margin. Yeah, and and then too, I'll just say it right now, my number one team obviously is San Diego as well. Um, Tatis, even with the time missed because of that whole COVID situation, he's still leading the team with 15 home runs. Mm-hmm. Um, and the absolute bomb he he hit uh, was a Saturday night to tie the yeah. game, two outs in the in the top of the ninth, like something that as a kid. You, you dream of like, yeah, okay, I'm going to hit a bomb to tie the game up late. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, pimped it out. Love that. I love his mm-hmm. energy. Um, but this team can play, man. And, and it's and it's, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. You know, they're obviously on the West Coast, so it's going to be a little easier for us to watch it. But this 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 run to the to the finish with, you know, obviously the Dodgers, San Diego, and then mm-hmm. if Giants, if they can stay in it. But I, I honestly think, like you said, you know, it wouldn't surprise me at all if, the winner of that division is wins by a game and it comes down to that last game of the season and, and, you know, for, for everything. And I don't know, well, look it up now, but I think it'd be really, I wish they would be able to do a like flex scheduling where at the end of the year, if it was close, they would be able to, well, 
They do play the Dodgers the second to last series. They have a three-game set, the second to last series of the season, and then they play San Francisco in the last series of the season. Uh, so okay, okay. six six division games to end the season for the Padres. And you know, that could be the difference. Nothing that's probably gonna be locked up by then. That's gonna be uh very interesting uh yeah. to see at the end of the year. But Padres have been killing it. Tatis, I think right now, if you were to call it, I think he is the NL MVP right now. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I know it's close with like Acuna and then even two, you can bring in um, DeGrom in it if you want. Um, right. But yeah, right. I think Tatis right now is probably the MVP of the NL right now. If we, if, if the season were to end. Yeah. I mean, he's slugging an insane, I think. Yeah. So he's leading the lead, the leading the league in slugging at 694, which is just ridiculous. Um, he's got, yeah, he's got a bunch of, he's got 12 stolen bases, which I think is leading the NL. He's got 15 home runs, which leads the NL. Uh, and he's got an on base of 380. So, yeah, he's uh, and he's leading the National League in sacrifice flies too, which is just a random stat. Random, but yeah, but producing RBIs. <laughs> I thought you get some RBIs though. I mean, I yep, know there's been yep. times where the Angels we were hoping as Angel fans just get a sack fly. That's all we need. So, some yeah. of that stuff is actually harder than it seems. Yeah, but um, no, I, yeah, I would agree with that. He's uh, and he's only 22, which is that's still scary. crazy. Yeah, that's scary. So. That's our top 10. Again, going from um, top to bottom or uh, from bottom to top, uh, Mike has the A's, the Yankees, the Sox, the Cardinals, the Cubs, the Giants, the White Sox, the Dodgers, the Rays, and the Padres. And myself, I have Texas, the Cubs, New York, Yankees, the A's, the Giants, the Red, or the White Sox, by then the Red Sox. I didn't even notice I did that. I put them back to back. Dodgers, mm-hmm. Rays, and the Padres. So top three are the same. We'll kind of come back and visit it again at the end of june and see how much has changed i mean we already saw from last month to this month that our top three top four are all pretty much the same but that bottom half just seems to have a road about who's hot and who's playing well at the time so that's really interesting to see yeah yeah i mean we can see from the last time we did this there's been a lot of a lot of change so yeah. um yeah it'll be interesting to see who comes in and who comes out so so that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the All Angels Podcast. Next podcast, look out for Wednesday night. Um, it's an off night, so we'll do it then. Hopefully we'll have Chris on as well. Uh, being a teacher, it's graduation season, so he's been really uh, running around doing that. So hopefully we'll get him back next week, again, Wednesday night. Or you can download it either that night, late that night, or Thursday morning before the Angels play. And you can find it all on um, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you get podcast and also here on youtube uh facebook and twitter where we do the live stream so definitely check it out i want to thank mike brown again uh from, for jumping on and not only talking about the angels baseball but talking about mlb baseball in general so go ahead and plug anything and everything you got going on right now thanks daniel yeah it's always always a good time coming on here um so you can find my podcast um anywhere you listen to podcasts big league chewing you can find me on twitter at chewing cast uh we're going to come back pretty soon with some new episodes so stay tuned for that. Um, and yeah, thanks for having me on again. So quick shout out. Um, if you're listening to this podcast, this is podcast is over. So now you can go on and download Sunday League, the podcast. Um, I was on there this last episode. So that comes out Monday also. So if you're listening to this on Monday or Tuesday, uh, their episode's already out with me on it. Definitely check that out. Again, the Sunday League, the podcast. I jumped on there. A lot of fun. Those guys are a lot of fun to hang out with and talk baseball. Uh, so definitely check that out. And as we, as you know, we have a charity event coming up in June. We'll have more details coming up uh, with that. Follow our social media feeds at Halo underscore Haven. 
on Twitter and on Instagram. And then always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can email us at allangelspodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's allangelspodcast at gmail.com. So I am Dan Garcia, and for Mike Brown, this has been another edition of the All Angels Podcast. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my, look at that, he is... And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine.